Happy, what is it, Labor Day weekend. Good to be here with all of you. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here at Two Rivers. It's good to be here with you this morning. We are going to start a new series today in the book of Ecclesiastes. It is right after, I think it's right after Proverbs. Am I right on that? Right after Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. So if you want to turn there, we're going to be in Ecclesiastes 1 today. Uh, this, this is life, this book, this word, this is life. It's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. It corrects us. It trains us in righteousness. It encourages us. It equips us. And so it is a joy for me to get to be up here and open God's word uh, and teach it uh, so that we might be encouraged and equipped uh, today. Um, I am privileged to be here with you uh, this morning. Uh, Kingdom Living is the name of the series. Uh, Ecclesiastes is going to invite you in some spicy ways to go against the grain of the world and to live in the way of the kingdom of God. Um, it belongs to a category, Ecclesiastes, a category of scripture uh, called wisdom literature. Other books in that category of wisdom literature, the book of Job, or if you were little, the book of Job, right? Remember that when we were kids? For those of us who grew up in church, still got a few laughs out of that this morning, right? I always get a few. Proverbs, certainly. Uh, some of the Psalms, Ecclesiastes, wisdom literature, basically, Wisdom literature gives us advice on how to live our lives well here and now. Uh, reflections on problems in life because we must learn to accept life on life's terms. Life is beautiful, life is a gift, life is hard. And so it offers us wisdom advice, reflections on problems that we face and how to hold on to, embrace, be rooted in the hope and the peace we have with God in the midst of it. I'm not going to teach on Proverbs or teaching on Ecclesiastes, but if you were to look at it, Proverbs chapter 1, uh, typically, not typically, sometimes you hear people talk about this. I think it's a good rhythm for people, like there's a proverb of the day, and some people engage the word that way, and they receive wisdom. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs, and so uh, today is, I think, September the 3rd, so we would read like Proverbs 3 today. And it's kind of just rapid fire wisdom instruction. That's the book of Proverbs. But the book of Proverbs starts this way. Second verse in chapter one of Proverbs. For attaining wisdom and discipline. For understanding words of insight. I think that's a, a, a good way to think about wisdom literature. Uh, to receive the wisdom that it gives to us. Um, we are going to be studying Ecclesiastes. Uh, this is new for me. I mean, I've read through probably some chapters of Ecclesiastes, full, full honesty. I don't, if I have, I don't remember sitting down and like reading through all 12 chapters of Ecclesiastes in one sitting before. It's just not a book that I have probably landed on a lot in my journey. Uh, most of us are probably familiar with some of the more famous verses in Ecclesiastes, uh, there's a time and a season for everything, you know, that all that, the time for this and a time for that. That's all chapter three will be there in two weeks. Chapter four, you hear at weddings probably a lot. Two are better than one, for if one falls, the other is there to 
lift them up. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. That's Ecclesiastes 4. So we, we have some things that we know, uh, but most of the people that I have spoken with over the last weeks about Ecclesiastes, like, yeah, I've read it, but I've really never studied Ecclesiastes. And I would say, me neither. Let's study it together and learn as we go. So it's going to be 12 weeks, 12 chapters of Ecclesiastes. Uh, the space that I had over the summer to not be regular in the pulpit gave uh, Lindsay and I some space to study Ecclesiastes together. And so we did a lot of reading and processing and talking together about the series. And one of the commentators in the books that we read this summer said this about Ecclesiastes, the strangest of all of the Old Testament books. Another one said, Ecclesiastes has changed my death. That's a provocative statement to think about. The book of Ecclesiastes has changed my death. A statement for you to consider. A hundred years from now, from today, a hundred years from now, chances are no one is going to even know that we were here. Some of you can probably tell me all of your grandparents' names. If I said, now tell me your great-grandparents' names, smaller margin. I would say very few of you could articulate any of your great-great-grandparents' names. That's in your own family. Why do I make this statement? Ecclesiastes 1.4, generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. So what will we do with this life that God has given to us here in this generation under the sun? What will we do? My favorite movies, if you ask me, hey, what are your top three movies? Typically, I would answer it this way. I was like, well, I'm a basketball guy, so I mean, top for me is Hoosiers, I mean, that's like top movie all time for me. If you haven't seen it, pastoral exhortation, you better watch Hoosiers at some point, okay? Uh, the two after that are like more like freedom fighting, like war kind of type movies. Uh, one is Gladiator. I love the movie Gladiator. And then the third would be Braveheart. Another pastoral exhortation, if you haven't seen Braveheart, I'm preaching a line from Braveheart today, so you gotta go watch Braveheart at least, you know. Maybe pick Braveheart over Hoosiers, but maybe just watch both of them so we can like be friends, you know what I'm saying? But here's the line from Braveheart. William Wallace, the medieval Scottish patriot who fought for Scotland's freedom, made this statement in the movie. Every man dies, not every man truly lives. You know, you know the quote. Every man, every person dies, but not every person truly lives. If every person dies, how then shall we live? This is the book of Ecclesiastes. The wisdom in its pages will move us to think about our mortality and how to live life backwards in light of that reality, which is not typically how we live, right? Like we typically don't live backwards. We, we live life forwards. That's kind of how we think about life and living life. We tend to set goals. Let's set a goal for ourselves. Let's save the money. Let's plan the trips. 
Let's have the expectations. But here's the deal on that way of thinking. We don't know the future. We're not even promised tomorrow. So we can plan for it. We can hope for where we will be and what we will be doing. And we start from here and we try to go that direction. And then we have expectations about it. And that's, in a general sense, how a lot of us think about life. And Ecclesiastes is going to invite you to switch the script and put on a different lens and get to the end and live life backwards in light of eternity. Ecclesiastes We start from the end and we move backwards from there. You've probably heard this statement before. The journey, the journey is the destination, right? You've heard that before. The journey is the destination. I think it's a great quote. The journey is the destination. Like, let's not miss out on the moments that we're living in as we're reaching whatever goal or expectation that we're trying to get to. I would say that Ecclesiastes would say it this way. It's the destination that will actually help you make sense of the journey. One of the commentaries that we're reading is called Living Life Backward, David Gibson. And he says this, I am convinced that only a proper perspective on death provides the true perspective on life. Living in light of your death will help you live wisely, freely, and generously. Here's what some scripture says about that reality. Psalm 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to understand and know that our days are limited. Generations come and generations go, but the earth will be forever. Teach us, and when we learn that, we will actually operate in wisdom as we live out our Day, Psalm 144.4, man is a mere breath. Man is a mere breath. His days are like a passing shadow. From the New Testament, James 4.14, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist. That appears for a little while and then vanishes. Serious scripture quotations. Would you agree? Would you agree that this is good biblical wisdom for us to think about? Would you also agree that these verses can make us feel a little bit uneasy if we're really honest? I believe that it is important to recognize the brevity of life so that we do not squander the time that we have been given under the sun. And if we can truly own the brevity and the frailty of life, then we can truly learn with wisdom how to live into it. I believe that that's wisdom. I believe that that's living life backward, I believe that that is kingdom living under the sun. Most of us in this room, I would say, are keenly aware, and we know, we know, because we've experienced it, 
we are keenly aware and we know that life under the sun can take a sudden turn out of nowhere. Sickness, accidents, pandemics, tragedy. Most of us are keenly aware. Most of us are also keenly aware that our life under the sun can take slower turns. Sometimes it's a sudden turn. Sometimes it's a slower turn or a trajectory. The school or the team or the organization or the job didn't turn out the way we wanted. The marriage was much harder than we ever expected. The kids didn't turn out the way we had hoped and planned and expected. And our carefully laid out plans get upended and we get uprooted and we are left questioning God's goodness and power. We can gather here and we can sing the songs that we sing. But can you sing those songs? Can you pray those prayers? Can you hold to that hope when it's a sudden turn or when it's a a slow turn? Have you ever been there? Ecclesiastes is going to help us lean into the reality that life is short under the sun. How then shall we live? It will help us understand with honest and abrasive truth that life is very complex and life is messy. And in this complex journey of life, we tend to chase after so many answers. There's so many messages and there's so many things that we chase after and trying to get answers, especially with the sudden turns or the slow turns. And I believe and invite you to believe that God is the only reality in our lives that is truly trustworthy in our life under the sun. Here's a side note before we get to Ecclesiastes chapter one because we are living in the new covenant age and we are looking back into an Old Testament book for 12 weeks that was written in the old covenant era. And there are lots of promises and there are lots of things that are talked about in Ecclesiastes and other realities in the old covenant. And for us in the new covenant age, we get to read these through the lens of the cross and the resurrection and we get to look at them living in the new covenant age, looking back to the old covenant. So it's really important for us as Bible readers and studiers to read the Old Testament scriptures through the lens of the new There's an entire commentary series called The Gospel According to the Old Testament. Here's here's what that means. Every story whispers the name of Jesus. When Jesus arrived, he did not arrive unannounced. His coming as Messiah was declared in advance over and over again in the Old Testament, certainly in the many Old Testament messianic prophecies that he fulfilled, but I would say also in the many stories and the characters and the circumstances that were happening in the Old Covenant era. And in the Old Testament, living life this way, looking to the Messiah, the Old Testament is an unfolding, a plan of God's coming salvation in Messiah. It is looking to Messiah. 
progressively unfolding that plan, and that plan was always pointing to Jesus. So Ecclesiastes points us to the truth of how much we need a rescue and how much we need the hope and the peace that we have uh, in Christ. And so my hope and others that will be teaching from this pulpit, our hope and our desire is to present you and promote a Christ-centered way of studying the Old Testament. Here's a verse I would tell you. We uh, remind you of this verse often when we're studying, when we go back to Old Testament studies, uh, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, for no matter how many promises God has made, and in the Old Covenant era, God made so many promises. And what Paul's saying over here in the New Covenant, looking back from the lens of the resurrection, we have now been filled of the Holy Spirit, the cross, the resurrection, filling of the Spirit, looking back to the Old Testament era when all these promises were made. He says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are a yes in Christ. Here's a way to paraphrase 2 Corinthians 1.20. All of the promises of God find their fulfillment in Jesus. So we're gonna study the book of Ecclesiastes and we're gonna hold how serious it is and we're gonna understand and know that all of the promises are a yes in Christ and we're gonna grow in wisdom and allow the word of God to teach us, train us, equip us, correct us. So with all that said, let's look at Ecclesiastes 1. I'm gonna read the first 11 verses. We'll make some comments about the first 11 and then we'll finish with verses 12 to 15. Ecclesiastes 1, 1, the words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. There, there are two characters in the book of Ecclesiastes. You have the narrator that, that begins the book who is speaking, and then the narrator gives way to the teaching of the teacher. And at the end of the book, in chapter 12, the narrator will come back and offer some concluding remarks about what the teacher has to say. Most of Ecclesiastes is the teacher or the leader of the assembly. So the author says the words of the teacher or the preacher or the leader of the assembly. Uh, Ecclesiastes, the Greek word, the transliteration, the Greek word of Ecclesiastes is ekklesia, which just simply means the assembly of God's people the gathering of the assembly of God's people, Ecclesiastes. It is a message to the people of God from the teacher. And it says, son of David, king in Jerusalem. If that's literal, it's King Solomon. We don't totally know if it's King Solomon. Most scholars lend itself. That makes the most sense. But it could be another king of Israel that's descended down from David. We're just going to hold that and say we don't know for sure if it's Solomon or one of the other descendants. The teacher begins, I am gonna read out of the NIV. Ecclesiastes 1-2, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Does anyone here have the ESV? If you're holding, what does the ESV say? Vanity of vanities. So meaningless, meaningless, NIV. Vanity of vanities. Uh, ESV. The NASB, I think, says futility, futility on futility. I'm just going to keep reading. This is the NIV. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Amen. Let's go home. <laughs> You're like, okay, that is a message right there. That is a message. He goes on, verse 3. 
What does man gain from all his labor at which he toils under the sun? Here's the verse I read earlier. Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. And the wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All the streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place where the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome. More than one can say, the eye never has enough seeing, nor the ear its filling of hearing. What has been will be again, and what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already long ago, and it was here before our time. There is no remembrance of men of old. And even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. How? Other than feeling hot. Other than feeling hot, because I'm feeling hot. How are we feeling with the introduction in the first 11 verses of Ecclesiastes? From the preacher. I mean, I would say he goes for shock tactics. I would say that to get your attention. Wake up. Everyone, to the reality of what this is for us under the sun. Does he have your, does he have your attention? The Hebrew word that's translated meaningless or um, futility or vanity is the Hebrew word hybel, H-E-B-E-L, hybel. The literal translation is this, breath or vapor. Life. That's what the preacher is saying. I I don't like the meaningless vanity translations because life has so much meaning and purpose. Like, again, one of the most famous quoted verses in Ecclesiastes is Ecclesiastes verse 4, 9, and 10. Two are better than one, for if one falls, the other is there to lift him up. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So if two are better than one, then there's meaning in together. Would you guys agree? Yeah. And so I would just like to present, like, let's just let Hybel be Hybel. Because I think futility and meaningless kind of honestly move us away from what I believe the teacher is actually teaching us here. The teacher isn't saying everything is meaningless. He is saying that our lives are a breath. And we see this in scripture a lot. Psalm 39, surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Surely. Psalm 144, man is like a breath. Hybel, same word. His days are like a passing shadow. So my... My invitation to look at Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse two would be this, a breath, a vapor, says the teacher. Life is short. Everything is a breath. We have a lot of young parents uh, in Two Rivers community. I'm not sure if you've heard us say this or not, but there's like 22 or 23 babies born in 2022, 
So, that's fantastic. And for those of us who are parents kind of beyond that, we understand and know, man, that is survival. When your parents are like toddlers and babies, and it's just like survival. And old parents like me, I just want to say to the young parents, old people like me, we're not lying when we say this. We're not lying. Here's the phrase. The days are long, but the years are short. Kenny Chesney, Kenny Chesney. Country artist from Tennessee, my home state, wrote a song about having a conversation with someone that's 102 years old. And I'm studying Ecclesiastes 1. That song comes on this week in my truck. I'm like, Kenny, yes, sir. Here's the phrase. Trust me, friend, 100 years goes faster than you think. So don't, don't blink. Blink? I mean, if you don't like country music, I'm making a case for it. <laughs> I got to go be in the mountains this past week, and I'm engaging in a conversation with my buds, and I'm talking to my friend Nate about the word hybel, again, the Hebrew word, H-E-B-E-L. And I think Nate made a really profound statement. He said, you can't, we can't hoard breath. We can't hoard. It's like it can only be breathed and lived in the moment that it is. We can't hoard our breath. We can't hoard our time. We can only live it in the moment. The breath that you have right now. Let's look at verse 11 again. There is no remembrance of men of old And even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow. This this is sobering. It is sobering. But I would invite you to consider it's also empowering. Teach us to number our days so that we may have a heart of wisdom. It's empowering. Why is it empowering? So that we learn to live more fully in the present of what God has given us right now. Not looking back, not looking forward, but living in the moment. We do not even know what tomorrow will bring. If I had to put a summary phrase over Ecclesiastes 1, 1 to 11, I would say this, life is short. Life is short. And we are not in control. We want to think sometimes and live like we are. I say this lovingly, but also as a way of encouragement and exhortation, you are not. I am not. We are not. Our time here is now, and our time here will end. Unless Jesus returns in our lifetime, our, our destination is all the same, family. Life is short, verses 1 to 11, verses 12 to 18, we must learn to live in this short life. We must learn to live with eternity in mind as we live under the sun. That's how I would summarize 
verses 12 to 18. Learn to live with eternity in mind. Verse 12, I, the teacher, I was king over Israel and Jerusalem. I devoted myself to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. What a heavy burden God has laid on men. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. He will go on in Ecclesiastes, and we'll read this later, like all the money, all the wealth, all the fame, all the ladies, everything that the world says, he has. And he's learned from his mistake, and he's teaching about what he has learned. I have seen all the things that are done. All of them are chasing after the wind. What is twisted cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I thought to myself, look, I have grown and increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. And then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom. And also I applied myself to madness and to folly. Look, I've been there and I've done that. I've been there and I have done that. But I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes sorrow. And the more knowledge, the more grief. Ecclesiastes chapter one. Under the sun, that phrase under the sun, chasing after the wind, those will be phrases that we'll hear the teacher saying again and again in the series. Under the sun is how the teacher describes our life in this moment. We are under the sun now. Under the sun is the present time and it is filled with sorrow. And the teacher wants you to know that in this life, under the sun, that is broken, it has been redeemed, and Jesus will come again, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and we are living in between those realities. We are living in the brokenness. We have full hope. We have full peace, but we are walking out the reality of the fall of Genesis 3. Jesus has redeemed it. He has died. He has risen again. He has sent us his spirit. We have hope in the midst of it, but we are still living in the reality of the brokenness of life before Jesus returns when the promise is there will be no more tears. There will be no more sorrow. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth, Revelation 21. But we are living in between the cross and the resurrection and the second coming of Jesus. And the reality of that is you will grieve, church, you will. And I will, and we will. And the teacher wants you to know that as we grieve under the sun, that is not all there is. We must keep our eyes on the glory of heaven. Ecclesiastes is not a book about death. It's a book about what it means to really live in the present with the kingdom of God in view. Full hope, full peace. Here's the world's message. World's message. Your value is in your achievements, so go get 
those trophies. Get the plaques. Hang the plaques on your walls. Get the certificates. Hang those things on the wall so that you will know that you are something in this world. It's the world's message. Achieve, achieve, achieve so that you will feel accomplished and valuable. And so that everyone else will see what you've accomplished so that they will be impressed as well with you. I see your trophies. And here's what the preacher says. Trust me because I've lived it. All that chasing after the wind. Generations come, generations go. It's almost as if the teacher is saying, the people of God who have assembled together, learn from my mistakes. I finally learned what is most important. It's, I'm reading chapter one. It's literally like a parent who shares with their kids about their own failures in hopes that their kids won't make the same mistakes that they did. Any parents in the room feel that? Yeah. Man, if like, if I can learn from my failure and teach it to my kids so that they won't have to experience the same pain and the, and, and the humiliation that I've experienced, I would do anything so they wouldn't have to experience that. And it's like parents who are like waving their arms. That's the teacher, waving arms, warning of life of living life under the lies of the world in our flesh. Don't go that way. It's only chasing after the wind. Big question to end today. What is the point of life under the sun? Maybe this way. What are you doing here? What what am I doing here? What in the world are we all doing here right now? What's the point? Wisdom from Ecclesiastes, verse 1 to 12. Life is a breath. (sighs) Live into the life that God, by his grace and his mercy, has given you to live in today, now, here. We can't control it, but we can live into it with gratitude and joy and thanksgiving. We can't store it up. We can't hoard it. It's just not the way life works. It can only be lived in now. Wisdom literature, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths. Wait, didn't verse 15 say... What is twisted cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. Every story whispers his name. Trust in the Lord, and he will make your paths straight. Life is a breath. Live into it. Two, verse 17, I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom. Learn to live with eternity in mind. Live backwards. Kingdom living. What if you started to live backward? 
would that create some space for you to live more fully, more joyfully in the present moments that we have? Learn to count your days. We're not promised tomorrow. That is living with the heart of wisdom. What if we started to embrace each moment more fully? Have there been hard times in your life? Are there hard times now in your life? Will there be more hard times in your life? Yes. Will you always understand and get all the clarity that you need? No. God isn't asking you to figure it all out. He is inviting you to trust that he already has figured it all out and he has paved the way for you to have his hope and his peace no matter what. There's a, there's a thing that Christian culture sometimes says, and I think it's true, but if I'm honest, I don't really love it because I don't know how much I mean it. And it's this, God is good all the time. You believe that? You really believe that? Like when life is going the way we want it to, the way we've planned for. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. But here's the test of your faith. Can you also say that when you are down in the valley of the shadow? Can you? Can we? Will you remind me when I'm here? And I will remind you when you are here. I will. But I am going to need you to remind me. I am going to need you to preach this message to me in my life. I am just a human being like everyone else. I believe this deeply but I am going to need you to preach this to me. And I will preach it to you. And this is what Paul means when he says, we will rejoice with those who rejoice and we will mourn with those who mourn and we, we will understand and know eternity is on our minds. Here's something that I want you to think about as we, as we close. The breath that we are breathing right now the breath that you are breathing right now, I know it's a little warm in here, but the breath that you are breathing right now is eternity. We aren't waiting for the sweet by and by when we pass from this life to the next life. That is not the message of Jesus. We are living in the reality of an eternal life now, here. Why do I say that? Every story whispers the name of Jesus. Jesus says this, John 5, verse 24. I tell you the truth. 
Whoever hears my word and believes him, the Father, who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned and has, he has crossed over from death to life. If you hear the word of the Lord, you believe that God sent Jesus, Messiah, to rescue, redeem, reconcile everything, you have eternal life and you have already crossed over from death to life. You are living eternal life right now. The breath is eternal. How then shall we live in the present with our eyes on eternity? so that we can be rooted and grounded no matter what comes, no matter what. Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I proclaim to you, Jesus, he is the Lord.